Good evening and welcome to the Think Frank Project for November 18, 2020. I am Irma Ali. Uh, it's been a week since uh, I've last uh, podcasted and uh, I hope you didn't miss me too much. Um, I have really been getting a lot of feedback and I know I've said that before, but the last podcast that uh, we were able to do, and that was uh, Matt Habermel and myself recorded, uh, had a lot of positive feedback. And I'd like to thank those of you who listened and provided that feedback. I know it was a little bit longer in form, and I would like to try that again at some point in the future. If you have any topics of interest that you would like for me and the guests to uh, embark upon, please let me know. And you can do that by reaching out on Twitter at ThinkFrankPod. You can also follow me there too. And please subscribe and share with uh, those who you think would enjoy the podcast. We're trying to build an audience here uh, so that we can have more conversations and uh, promote the ideas that we want to promote here on this, uh, in this project. What I want to do today is talk about real things, and boy, that sounds very cliche, it sounds kind of uh, uh, catchy, I guess, but what I mean by it is what affects our lives, Uh, what really does affect our lives, our material needs, and even material wants. Uh, There are those economic conditions that make our lives better. And I think our governments in the Western civilization and probably around the world, but the examples I know best are in the Western world because it's where I live and where most of you live. I don't know if they're always there for us. And I think in a previous podcast, I talked about the idea of grifting and grifters, but also that the people have to take back the government and be able to promote those ideas they wish to see being pushed out there. And I do have a position, and I'd like to get more into my point of view on these things, because I think in the past few podcasts, maybe in all of them, I haven't done that as clearly as I should have, and that's part of the feedback that I've been receiving. I feel that government is an agent of positive change for its people, And I think public policy can do a lot of good things. I think there are ways to bring together lots of different ideas to meet in the middle somewhere and to move the system forward with, again, people at the heart of it. This time, I think our government works for many interests, and some of them are people, but not all of them. And... I think there's a lot of noise out there to distract us from what I think is important. So in healthcare, especially, it's the example I know really well, we do know that investments that are made early on in people's lives end up paying itself off and preventing spending in the future to treat ailments and mental health uh, issues and all sorts of deleterious impacts of uh, living and what is caused by our environment, all those things. If you, can, if you can help economically build sort of the social 
they call it the social determinants of health, but to build somebody's social uh, canvas, uh, canvas is probably the wrong word, but let's just say maybe their social garden with all the, all the great things that can help one uh, in their early development, you can really, it pays itself off. Forget about it paying itself off. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, I, so I have this perspective that if we can cultivate, there we go, a better landscape uh, for uh, human beings in which to interact, and that has a lot to do with having economic welfare at the heart of it. Uh, and I don't mean welfare, I mean your welfare economically, so to twist to turn those words around, I think can lead to a more just society. Uh, equality of opportunity is very important, and many of us who are able to listen to this podcast did have the the um, opportunity, had an equal opportunity to get to where they are. And I'm not saying actually from that, from a perspective of gender or race in, a, in an intersectional way, I'm talking about economically. Uh, I think there are problems that exist from an intersectional perspective, and I don't want to deny that there is bias in the world towards uh, particular individuals uh, based on, you know, based on patriarchy, based on um, bigotry. Those things are out there. But what I do think is important is to ensure that everyone has a basic level of uh, economic uh, welfare so that they can sustain themselves. And how we do that it's hard to convince everybody that that's the case because, as I've talked about in previous podcasts as well, there is this opinion that if you're poor, it's because it's your fault or you've done something wrong. Or if you have a mental health problem or if you're homeless, you did something wrong. If you're a drug addict, you're doing that. You've done something wrong. When we know that a lot of those things are vastly about uh, uh, having the the ability to do those things or to have the opportunity to, um, in the case of drugs, be able to do the drugs, but also it comes from having mental health difficulties that you turn to drugs to escape. Uh, That's one example. Or, um, you know, it's, to me, that's where we need to change the way people think about other people. That could be you is an adage that's used, and it's true. If you find yourself being born into a situation where you're going to struggle from day one, I'm not saying people don't break free from that, but very few do. And very few are, uh, unfortunately, in a cycle where, that they can't get out of, and it continues the rest of their lives. I think we need to create opportunity for everyone to be able to uh, succeed. And I also hate to be looking, staring to our neighbors to the south, us here in Canada, and to look at them and to say that our experience is a lot the same. In some ways it is, but in we, we don't have the same kind of uh, extremes, I think, in, uh, in economic organization that they have. I think there are more poorer people. There are people without running water. I think we have that here in Canada as well. Of course we do. We have... Um, uh, in some areas of northern Ontario where there are uh, people living without that equal opportunity 
for clean water. Um, it's not all um, the the opportunities that are afforded to indigenous people, for example, aren't aren't all uh, they're all they're not all equally meted out either, uh, and uh, depends where you live and. Uh, when if you're an indigenous person as well, to how well you're doing in this country, uh, it's that goes the same for people who live in. Uh, I think the one example, of, for instance, drug addiction is that you can say what you want about um, downtown Toronto and other urban areas in Vancouver having their problems, but we know that the problem exists in rural areas and. Uh, close to my hometown, uh, especially in Stratford, for example, and then close to where I live now in Northumberland County, there are, there are great difficulties with opioid addiction. And so those people don't live in an urbanized inner city. They live in a small town, uh, Ontario. I think that tells you right there that the problems we face are similar and we all have to overcome it. But the solutions to those problems uh, are, are are things that give you hope. And what gives you hope is things like education and uh, being able to have a community center to drop in and uh, meet people and to maybe shoot some hoops or when you're younger or when uh, be able to play uh, games with uh, people in your peer group. Those are very simple examples, but we can also do a lot by way of economic redistribution of wealth, I think. And I know that sounds scary to some people, but it, I think it is to some people. It really is. I'm not saying you shouldn't be scared, but I think what you should also think is, if, if I just have a little bit less in order for those education programs to exist, then... Uh, Okay, that, then why not? Because I won't suffer that much. That marginal bit of money isn't going to make me much more happier. There is that, as we know, there are diminishing returns when it comes to that. In the end, it does allow you never to be in a depressed situation. But I would argue that you would have to take a significant hit to your paycheck uh, to feel it. In that sense, and again, that's real. If you lose your job, that's going to happen. But let's say all else is the same and we're we're talking about slight redistributions and then you say to me well you know Iram there are I pay a lot in taxes and I think it gets squandered I'm gonna say to some extent you are correct some of it does on things that you may not necessarily agree with uh, I I don't know if that's the real problem what the real problem though is that we're not collecting it uh, in in, in an uh, equitable and uh, proportionate way. And what I mean by that is, and so when I talk about corporations, I don't mean the small corporations that are run by uh, individuals, sole proprietorships, uh, small groups of people. Uh, those, to me, uh, those people are working hard and they're competing with big, giant corporations to be able to do what they do. Those groups are different. I, I think we need to give accommodation to those people. And they always the line is always that small businesses hire most people and you know a lot of people. It's true, they do. And I think and they are more likely to hire more people instead of cutting back on people if they're having a successful go at their business. 
I'm talking about big, massive corporations that have virtual monopolies in the marketplace. In Canada, that's probably about 15 to 20 companies. Uh, that's our airlines. That's our banks. That's our media companies. I mean, and right there, I think I only named about 12 companies. That's our rail system. That's our, um, you know, that our, our private uh, um, manufacturers of uh, transportation. Uh, and that's there. I, I'm basically, I think there's only about 20 of those companies, and they are able to mobilize. And of course, in every industry, there are some monopolies. So maybe it's more than 20, but it's not a lot. They're able to marshal their resources to um, manipulate the system and to be able to maintain their monopolies and to maintain their hegemonies over us and over their marketplace. I don't think that's right. I think if that was meant to be the case from capitalism, I think capitalism is failing. I'm not one of those throw it all out either. I, I believe in incremental change. I also believe in a modified uh, capitalism that works for everyone because I don't think we can, well, I don't think there's the appetite for revolution for one thing, an economic revolution nor a social one. I do think though there is an appetite once these points are made for small changes in our society in order to organize things in a more equitable manner. The problem is that most people think that they could be rich one day. And aside from winning the lottery, if you're not rich already, it's, you'd have to have a million dollar idea that you come up with. And I'm not saying that couldn't happen, that you couldn't go on Dragon's Den and be able to pitch an idea of a product that you invented that made life better. I, again, we're not looking at those people, but you're, if you're middle-aged, you're, you're pretty much where you're going to be for the rest of your life uh, in, when it comes to your earning potential. Um, that doesn't, notwithstanding some education. But again, remember, when I talk about these things, I am not talking about the, uh, the exceptional cases. I'm talking about the general cases for people. And let's keep that in mind. Because the argument can be made at any time that, uh, that oh, well, somebody can pick themselves up and get re-educated and succeed, you know, of course. And, and yes, poor people can become rich as well. Uh, you know, the Beverly Hillbilly sh shot into the ground and found oil. I mean, that does happen too. But, but let's live in the real world, keeping it real. And I think there are structural changes that need to take place. But they're not going to happen overnight. So how do I suggest that this happens? Well, it does require political change, and it requires our government to be more responsive to the needs, to these needs, but also to be able to set aside how they currently operate and how, and how governments and well and politics, let's call it, having a monopoly over um, the political space, and that starts with reforming the way campaigns are funded and how political parties are funded and who can curry influence. It also then goes to having a more representative government through uh, different ways of voting. I think our first past the post system here in Canada uh, does not allow for a lot of um, multiple parties to consider themselves viable. 
I mean, we have more parties now than we've had than we had in the past. If you think back to uh, 19, well, the the late 60s, early 70s, and when the NDP became a, a stronger party in Canada, the New Democratic Party, uh, there were three parties then. And over time now, I, I think in the 93 election, we had the Reform Party and the Bloc Québécois joining the mix. So we had five parties, two very regional parties, but they were political parties and had a voice and had a, had an audience. And I think over time, party like the Green Party has won members in parliament and they exist now too. And they do pick up not a significant portion, but a small percentage of the vote across Canada to, to that makes them a more viable party. But what if I was to tell you that uh, we could have a system that promotes 10 parties and those parties would have your interest at heart, perhaps, and you would vote for them. But then they would have to come together with other parties in order to form a working majority to get things done. Well, in that case, you're going to end up having a, a larger percentage of the Canadian population represented in Parliament. Uh, now, do I think electoral politics is the be-all and is going to solve a lot of these problems? I think it's an incremental change as well. And it's going to lead to more ideas getting into the mix. And so that, for example, if there was a... I'm going to use center-right example because... Uh, you know, I think most of you would automatically assume I'm going to pick a center-left one, so I'm going to go pick a center-right example. Let's say you had um, a, a Christian Conservative Party. You had the Conservative Party of Canada, and you had um, a, a a party that's based in the prairies that is uh, also conservative, not necessarily a Christian party, but um, a, a representing Western conservative values. And let's say they were able to uh, pick up all of them, a number of seats, with the Conservative Party maybe picking more of them because they are uh, they they are a long-standing brand. Uh, it's like uh, they are they are tied. Liberal Party is cheer. Um, the NDP is Don, I guess. Um, and I don't even know if those are all owned by three separate companies, but they probably aren't. But anyway. Uh, but let's say those three conservative parties came together and they somehow represented 60% of the Canadian population and maybe they end up representing 55% of the seats. Well, they can form that majority and they can, they can rule. People decided at the ballot box where, where, where they wanted their vote to go and to what specific um, special interest in a way. And if you also said that corporations couldn't fund these political parties and that we would publicly fund them and we would publicly fund them at a much lower rate than they're currently being funded because I don't know if you have to spend that much money on, uh, on, on ads and we give them free media. You allow them to have free media to go and debate and to have conversations about issues so that when there is a political campaign, there's five or six debates and you focus on uh, a few issues, um, like maybe just one issue every time and you tune in that night because they're going to talk about economic policy and it's a two-hour debate, but then next week there's going to be one on, uh, on um, you know, uh, intersectional issues. Uh, could be, they, they could be talking about um, uh, 
transportation in one of them and what we want to do nationally about transportation. I don't know. There, there's a lot of different things. Education, healthcare, education, more of a provincial thing, but maybe health, there's a healthcare debate. And then there's one about national unity. All You could have all these debates and you can hear what people have to say about these issues. And they have to then stand up and actually tell you what they believe instead of hiding behind talking points. Uh, they have to have well-crafted policies. And then you get to see what they're all about. And then you get to also see who who is the leader that can make their case the best and who can then carry that into the to the back rooms and pull together a coalition to make it happen. And right up on that stage, you might even see cooperation and agreement. And then you say to yourself, well, you know, what if there was a way for me to have a ballot that was a preferential ballot that I could rank my favorite party so I could say, I'm a conservative first, and then I'm a Western conservative because I live in Saskatchewan. And then third, I, I will support the, uh, the, the Christian Conservative Party because although I'm Christian, it isn't, I don't identify, like that is not my main identity, let's say. Um, that's how you vote, one, two, three. And somehow those votes then get collated and you might end up with, you might end up with all those votes going into um, into the conservative candidate or into the into the Western conservative candidate, you don't know. Uh, it's like, and if I'm living in Vancouver and the center left example, I vote for the NDP first, and then I put the Green Party second, uh, and then maybe there is a um, a separate party that is going to focus completely on um, um, the mental health of Canadians and. Uh, Perhaps that party, I don't know what it would be called, but they would focus on those things. And I could vote for them and I can rank them in there too because I think that that's a very important issue. Well, now we're talking. Now we're, now we're, we got some power. Problem is that at this current time, nobody wants to do this because uh, they would be giving up their power and they would give up some of their monopoly. But we should demand this of our system. The time has... You know, it's a more complicated life that we lead and a more complicated society with different uh, uh, individuals uh, in this society and, and people who've come from all sorts of different places uh, around the world, but also with different ideas and different uh, backgrounds. We should make our politics reflect that because then our policy, it, it is, uh, I guess the extension is that our policies would reflect it as well. And that is how we get to some of these incremental changes that we're uh, looking to put forward to make, make society a better place. Now, maybe this whole Canadian experiment and, and the United States is also a very large country. Maybe um, these, ex these are experiments and they're going to break down over time. I think we have to be ready for that. And uh, I don't, uh, aside from Quebec wanting uh, you know, at one point, half of Quebecers wanting to separate. And now I think, you know, those those numbers are much lower because uh, I think more young people want to be part of Canada rather than part of uh, the country of Quebec. Um, that's changed the numbers big time there. But um, now just look at the Americans in the past election and how divided they are and how some regions of the country, uh, you know, will never vote Republican as a whole and some regions that will never vote for a Democrat. You could have colored the map red and blue, at least half of the map red and blue, before 
uh, you know, anyone came with, uh, like before John King stood beside the big screen and, and started tapping states with his finger. So to me, that's not right. I think there should never be a predetermined outcome in that sense, because then it's what it's saying is that those votes, first of all, are taken for granted, but also that they don't count. And I think that sends a bad message to uh, to the citizens that you know, what is ever going to get done. And it allows politicians then to perpetuate uh, the, um, the corruption and the monopoly that they continue to um, exist in. Well, so that is my solution, I guess, to making the, the economic ground more fertile for everybody uh, is big political change. It doesn't mean that we should ignore what are the best ideas when it comes to our economic organization. And I think I did get into that when I said there is there is redistribution that can be done that will not uh, sacrifice ingenuity and uh, motivation and uh, people striving to uh, be entrepreneurs. It's the big companies that I have more of a concern of because they're given a monopoly power over the smaller ones. And it makes it harder for you, if you'd like to be an entrepreneur, to succeed. You have to... Uh, you have to beg, borrow, and steal in order to get anywhere. And uh, why why is that? It's not that you don't have the necessary intelligence to uh, do things right. So I think the system could work for those who are more free marketeers and for those who uh, want a more uh, involved government. So I don't think those two things are uh, incongruent. I'm going to get into this further as we go along here uh, on the podcast. For me, that's that is the big project. That's the grand project, and I don't know how we do that, but we do it by having the conversation. And I hope you will continue to listen and continue to uh, provide feedback uh, as I continue to get a little more opinionated about how I feel about these things. Uh, feel and how I think about them, I guess. Uh, reels over feels, I guess, right, is the is the line. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, follow on Twitter, at ThinkFrankPod. Subscribe to the podcast, share it with people who you think would enjoy uh, these ideas, but also the conversation. And let's work together Uh, to raise our voices and into a tapestry that can lead us to self-governance. Good night.